John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And good morning, everybody, on this Thursday. Hope everybody's having a good day, a good week as we get closer to football, which, of course, is going to be tonight, if you want to call it football. It's Denver going against the New York Jets. Not a very good football game, not a good Thursday night game, indeed. But lots of things going on. We've got uh, the cancellation, or at least the postponement, of the uh, Pittsburgh-Tennessee game. Uh, a lot of injury news as far as about, what, about 18 players who at least were limited or mispracticed, all those different things on the Seahawks injury report. But let's get into it with the five biggest stories of the day. Number one. I think anytime you, you give up explosive pass plays, you're you know not happy about it and you're surprised. Uh, but in, in but what we can say is in the normal football situations, when it's uh, they're doing what they're doing, we're doing what I, what we're doing. You know, it's pretty good football going on. And when they abort the game plan and just start chucking it deep, you know, they've been very successful. We got to be do better at certainly staying on top. That's certainly something that we need to. Certainly get uh, ready for our offense is doing so well. We're up two-plus scores, and they just start throwing it. Our guys have to be more aware of uh, the, the change in the plan now on the offense, and the ball's going deep. Yeah, so overall, you can see Ken Norton Jr. talking about the defense. And I think, you know, again, there's such an overreaction right now here in Seattle. I mean, people wanted to replace guys on uh, in the secondary, uh, fire the coaches. And it's like, this is ridiculous because what people don't tend to realize, and we'll get into this a lot today because I just have to keep reminding everybody, this is the current National Football League. It's not just happening against the Seahawks. It's happening to it's about every team in the league, particularly all the teams in the NFC, because scoring right now is at an all-time high in the NFL. In fact, Andrew Siciliano came to the point where he talked about that uh, there's this is the most yards for three weeks, points, everything else since the 1961 AFL. And so uh, it's just a time right now because of the pandemic, the fact that there's no preseason, you've got quarterbacks, and where I say it's the NFL or the NFC is you've got you know 13 experienced quarterbacks now that Nick Foles is back in the mix who aren't young, and uh, you know in the case of 12 of them, they're making $21 million a year. I mean, just look at the opening schedule for Seattle. You know, Matt Ryan, MVP, Cam Newton, MVP, and then Dak Prescott, uh, who's not been an MVP but is a very good quarterback, and and yet this team has had leads. They've got to tighten some things up, but they are doing well against the run. 66.4 yards. The pass defense, yeah, it's not been good. But, of course, it's been good enough to win the football games. Now, nobody's making any excuses about this. I mean, certainly things have to get better. And if they don't get better against Miami, then there are some real problems because Miami's and Ryan Fitzpatrick's not the equal of the three quarterbacks this team has played. But people just have to realize right now, that this is the league and the NFC, which is so much tougher because you've got more experienced, accomplished quarterbacks. I mean, 11 of the quarterbacks have been to the Pro Bowl, 11. And so, uh, you know, that, that's that's what they face. But, of course, it gets easier for Seattle. And when Kirk Cousins comes in, he's been a Pro Bowl quarterback, but also he's off to a bad start. That's next week. But the big thing right now is trying to stop Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins and then start to get things on a more positive basis. But, again, can't be any more positive than 3-0. and Number two. Yeah, he's pretty sore. Um, just talked to him a little while ago. He's pretty sore right now. And uh, we just keep going day to day and see what happens. He's massive treatments to, you know, to try to accelerate the, the return and all that. He's doing like some of our guys do. I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put anything past him that he, he couldn't pull off. So at this point, he's working really hard at it and we'll see what happens. 
We don't know enough to tell you about the weekend at this time. Chris is really sound and positive. Um, Damien looked pretty good, and, and Bosick was, was all right. So um, might get a real good turn from those three guys. Uh, he's limping a little bit today. He, he's pretty sore. Um, it, it's going to be a real challenge for him to make it back as stiff as he is right now. So um, he got whacked pretty good. And so we'll have to wait and see, though. Well, you can see that the, the injury report was pretty extensive, but it sounds like Ethan Posick, Chris Carson, and Damian Lewis could play on Sunday as they participated in walkthroughs and did some different things. Jamal Adams is going to be a tough decision because, again, you know he's uh, you know in, in injured with that groin injury, receiving treatment. There's an outside chance that he could play. Quentin Dunbar, well, I don't know. It doesn't sound too promising. Hasn't practiced and not probably going to practice with that knee injury. You know that... Uh, Jordan Brooks is going to be uh, missing some action because he's got an MCL sprain. And then Lano Hill still has that bad back. That doesn't sound too promising. So you can see that uh, this team you know, may be down to its third safety. you got Ryan Neal. They also signed Demarius Randall to the practice squad. He could be available. So they got to get some guys healthy. But, of course, the one thing is we, we watched the San Francisco 49er team in much worse shape go against some bad football teams in New York and still be able to win win so really it comes down to just kind of tightening things up and trying to see who's there and who's not number three the titans had an additional player and an additional staff member test positive they learned of those results from yesterday's covid19 testing a short time ago and as a result of that the nfl has now postponed the titan steelers game until later in the season it will not happen in week four the expectation had been the game could be played on monday or tuesday That is now not going to happen. This game will be rescheduled later into the season. They hope to have more information soon from a league level on exactly when that will take place. As far as we know right now, the Vikings-Texans game remains on as scheduled for Sunday. Tom Pellicero from the NFL Network talking about the uh, postponement of the Steelers against the Tennessee Titans. Understandable because, again, they've not stopped the spread. I mean, when you get, uh, you know, one or two a day that's been added, I mean, then you get to the point, it's like, okay, the plan was <clears throat> if, if everybody was going to test uh, negative that they were going to go with a Monday game. Then, of course, you have the two positive tests now. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering about the Titans because, uh, you know, they seem to have now more problems than any team in the league. Like, for example, their first-round pick, he's still on the COVID list and hasn't been removed, and he's not even played a game so far. So that's not good. And so now they've got, uh, you know, four to five players that are going to be out, and they've got coaches that are still down, got guys, guys with some temperatures and all that stuff. Not a good situation. And so we'll see where it goes. While the Vikings, they're going to be able to re- Report here in about an hour and a half to uh, get there and start to prepare for their game because they had been shut down. But again, the Titans front office right now and the headquarters all shut down naturally. And of course, no game this week between Pittsburgh and Tennessee. But uh, hey, they're trying to make the best possible. The idea is that maybe what they'll do is put it in week seven. They'll move the Pittsburgh Baltimore game back a week, put it in week eight. Tennessee has a bye week uh, in week seven, and Pittsburgh has a bye week in week eight. So now this is their bye week. They're not going to have to play now the rest of the season, the final 13 games, if, again, the Titans can get back on the field. Number four. And the Braves have won it. Who else but Freddie Freeman to deliver the walk-off blow? Right man, right spot for the Braves. Little cement mixer. And the swing and the approach. 
that will probably bring the MVP for Mr. Freeman this year. So three series all done in the American League. The uh, Tampa Bay Ray, Tampa Rays, they were able to win. They got the series, getting their second victory. Yankees won. Astros advanced. Not a lot of people around the league happy about it. Astros advancing. And so now it's going to be the National League trying to see where it's going to go. You have the Dodgers, Cardinals, Marlins, and Braves. They lead their best of three series with 1-0. and Meanwhile, the A's and the White Sox are going to play today in a do-or-die game three. So the first game today is going to be at uh, game two. That'll be the Reds going against the Braves. That's going to start at 12-10. So baseball in full swing right now. thought it was kind of interesting interesting that uh, apparently the bus driver uh, who drove the Houston uh, or drove the Tennessee Titans to the Minnesota game, you know, they basically they informed him. It's like, huh, don't, don't, don't. You're going to be driving the Astro. You're going to be driving one of the buses. That's not happening. So uh, we got more baseball today, but kind of an exciting day as it was yesterday. But again, Rays, Yankees, Astros all advance. Number five. I don't think in the beginning that we were um, physical enough. You actually, you, you have to get a feel for how hard Miami plays. Um, and I think, um, you know, they smacked us in the mouth. And we got a sense of that. And so we knew how hard we had to play if we wanted to try to make it a game. And, um, you know, from that moment when it was 23-10, we started to play um, to our capabilities. We started flying around. We started getting defensive stops in. We started sharing the ball a, bit, uh, a lot better offensively and just got into a really good group. I think you can learn so much more from a, from a win than you can in a loss. That's LeBron James, and uh, he and Anthony Davis had 59 points as the Lakers kind of breezed to a one nothing lead against the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. The bad news is uh, coming out for the Heat guard, uh, Goran Drasic, uh, suffered a torn plantar fascia, <clears throat> so he's going to be out. In the meantime, Jimmy Butler and uh, Bam Adwayo, uh, they also are suffering injuries too. The series is going to continue on Friday, and right now you can see Lakers, I mean, with the injuries and everything else with the Heat, uh, they were thinking five, maybe six games. This could be a sweep, because now losing uh, Goran, that really puts the Heat at a big disadvantage, and particularly you're at a disadvantage already just because they're going against the Lakers. Nevertheless, Lakers lead the NBA Finals one to nothing. You can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the secondary and what it has to do to get better. And we're going to do that when we go under further review. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. Under further review with John Clayton. We'll review the play. Uh, the big topic, of course, in town is everybody bashing on the defense, which, uh, uh, yeah, again, uh, there's some, certainly that leaves itself vulnerable to be bashed. But again, this is the National Football League. This is the NFC, and this is a, a division and a, a conference right now that uh, has so many good quarterbacks playing at such a high level that uh, you're going to get burned. I mean, everybody's getting burned on the pass. So now the question is going to be, and Ken Norton talked about it yesterday in his Zoom press conference, that certainly they've got to tighten some things up. they got to stop eliminating the chunk plays. Uh, so I know the secondary was a big topic of discussion today on Danny and Gallant. Let's hear what they had to say. Yeah, they were playing from behind a lot. So the idea that they're not used to this, it is a very, very good theory. It is a bad excuse. It's an awful excuse, right? I mean, when you're up two scores, it's not like the the wheel's being reinvented. You're going to potentially get attacked in ways that you weren't earlier in the game. Teams change their game plans. They adapt their game plans. And 
this is this is where I wonder if it's a simple fix, which it should be, that you're just telling the players, hey, don't get beat deep. Or is this on the coaching where they aren't they aren't preparing these guys as to how to play when they have a lead? Like, that to me, it's it just seems like it's such a fundamental concept, a basic concept that I, I think that it's a little bit of the coaching side of things, and I don't think it's a great look, Danny, for for Ken Norton. I don't know how bad it looks though, because he's coaches are in a position where you come and poke at this obvious open sore, and I'm not sure how they're supposed to answer it. Because if they fall on the sword themselves, it's like Raheem Morris after Atlanta, yeah. right? Where he says, hey, yeah. we, we weren't ready for how much they threw against us. That's on me as a coach. What he's really trying to do there is say, like, hey, don't blame my players. Like, we could have done a better job as a coaching staff. And we look at it, well, well this guy's incompetent. And here, you look at it and say, well, we're doing pretty well in all the other situations, except when we get ahead and then we're having a hard time. It's like, well, you're not making adjustments. And it's it's not... I can guarantee that this is not because Seattle has not talked to its cornerbacks about the need to stay on top exactly. of opponents, right? Yeah. Like this isn't this isn't because they've been doing something that the, that is unexpected or unprepared. Seattle has not dealt well with having opponents try to throw over the top of them, and it's very uncharacteristic of a Seattle Seahawks defense. And the measure of this year is going to be like, okay, can 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 you address this? Can 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 you curb it? I'm not. I'm not sure what the best way for a coach to answer questions about this is. I know the best thing for them to do is you've got to make some considerations. And if guys don't stop getting beat over the top, you need to get different guys. Like this yeah. isn't this yeah. isn't one you can live with ultimately. Like you can't live with having four completions of 40 or more yards in a game and, and expect to, to be a team that's there at the end. So again, I think I'm, I'm, I still just scratch my head and I don't know how good of a coach Mike Pettin is, right? But uh, Mike Pettin, you know, and the uh, Green Bay Packers, you know, they're giving up 28.3 points a game. All right, that's is is, is is and again, the theme is in the NFC. The NFC right now has got so many good quarterbacks that everybody's putting up. I mean, the average uh, points per game of the NFC teams is uh, basically 27.3. So that means, you know, for the most part, there's only one team that's uh, scoring less than 20 points a game, and that's the New York Giants, okay? Because the Giants right now are sitting there with uh, 12.7 points a game. And so that's that's not good. Yeah, Philadelphia is nineteen point seven, so they're kind of, they're obviously struggling. You know, but you got Tampa Bay at twenty seven point three. Uh, Washington's not doing too well. But you know, the theme right now: Green Bay scoring forty point six points a game, Dallas twenty nine point three. So what am I missing here? It's like the problem in Seattle is a league wide problem at the moment, and so much of it is because our quarterbacks, particularly in the NFC, have such an advantage. They're not calling holding penalties, and so now the offensive line can give you more time. You know, they're calling less penalties. That gives you know less op- more opportunity to make plays, and particularly if you're behind, uh, you have more of a chance to start coming behind. We've had more second half comebacks uh, than we've had in a long period of time. Am I missing something here? Is that people are not recognizing what? going on not just in seattle but the entire league oh people are recognizing john but the thing is is i think the fear and my fear too is that what if they don't figure it out because uh, yes defenses always catch up to the offense and it's not and not just in like an unprecedented year like this we've seen it when offenses have 
continue to develop and add new wrinkles. You know, like when the 49ers added the pistol offense and the read option, you know, we saw Lamar Jackson do the same thing. Even with the Chiefs, the defenses haven't caught up to the Chiefs yet, but really how Patrick Mahomes is kind of in this air raid type college system, you know, defenses always catch up. But I think the the problem is... Is Seattle going to be able to catch up? Because the thing is, the Pete Carroll defense is always keep everything in front of you. You're always running, you're usually running cover three or cover one unless you're blitzing, but you're always trying to keep everything in front of you. And the Seahawks aren't doing that whatsoever. They're getting beat on these medium crossing routes. They're getting beat by go routes. They're getting beat by almost every deep route in, in the playbook. And I think that's the fear, and that's the fear I have with them too, is that what if they don't figure it out? What if the defense doesn't catch up to it? Which it should, because on paper, they're secondary. When Quentin Dunbar is healthy and he's with Shaquille Griffin, Jamal Adams, and Quandre Diggs, they should be able to catch up to what the offenses are doing right now. But the, I think the real question is, what if they don't? Well, of course, uh, what tends to say, is there going to be a three-game stretch probably toward the end of the season when uh, they play you know, more of the division games? Because, again, you got four pretty good quarterbacks in this division and so that's going to be the challenge but you know to have a three game stretch in what is really a, a very easy schedule because you're playing the AFC East and the NFC East you know they've already taken off three of the better quarterbacks they're going to face the rest of the year I mean, is Ryan now again? If they have a bad game against Ryan Fitzpatrick, story changes. But what? How do we know they're not going to have a good game against Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because they don't have many weapons. They have a bad offensive line. They're a bad football team. You know, and again, it could, I, I, I'm the one saying it could be a trap game. But uh, you know, they they have to have some good numbers against him. And of course, they've always seemed to do well against Kirk Cousins. And so uh, it, it, it should go up. But at this moment, it's like the three game stretch that they just had against the quarterbacks. They're playing good quarterbacks. Yes, exactly. But and I agree with you, John, that if Ryan Fitzpatrick puts up the similar numbers to Dak Prescott and Cam Newton and Matt Ryan, then there's a serious problem. And I'm not going to get into like if there's needs to be people moved or anything. I'm not going to get into that. No. But there's a serious problem if Ryan Fitzpatrick puts up similar numbers because nothing against Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he should not be putting up the Dak Prescott numbers or the Cam Newton numbers or the Matt Ryan numbers or even the numbers that Aaron Rodgers is putting up right now for the Packers. He should not be doing that, especially on a consistent basis. But that's where I get a little bit worried, especially because Quentin Dunbar doesn't sound like he's going to play this week. Mm -hmm. So we've seen Trey Flowers struggle a little bit. And a guy like Devontae Parker is having a pretty good start to his season with the Dolphins, um, the wide receiver out of Louisville. But I, I am worried that they might not catch up because... Last year, they didn't end up really getting any better as the season went along, um, giving up passing yards, like passing yards wise. They didn't really get a lot better. And so I don't know. They now they have better players, but I just, right now, I'm worried that they're not going to, going to improve in time for the playoffs. Because as Danny said in the clip that we just heard, you can't expect to be in the end when you're giving up explosive plays at this rate. But that's the league right now. It's not a defensive league at this stage. You know, there's only a couple teams, and they're going to be more in the AFC that have had the advantage of going against young quarterbacks, which this team is going to be able to go through. I mean, they get to play Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones. They get to play, uh, you know, 
quarterbacks like Sam Darnold, who's struggling. You'll watch that tonight. I mean, they get to play uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, the tough one's going to be going against Josh Allen in Buffalo, and so that that could be a real tough one, obviously, and the tough one in the division games. But their division schedule right now, because remember, you got ten division non-division games. They've already got three of them, and at least in four of the seven remaining games, they're not playing great quarterbacks. Yeah, I agree, and hopefully that's you know times when they can really figure some things out. But right now, I think there's legit cause for concern. But that's a but... league wide thing. That's everybody right now in the NFL. It's I mean, tell me when when you start talking about okay, who are the top teams? New Orleans, Green Bay, uh, Atlanta was supposed to be Philadelphia. They're all having the same deals. Everybody. I... Uh, it's just like uh, you know, it's like. Oh, I just wish everybody in town, because again, I mean, hey, if they do have a bad game against Miami, hey, there is a major problems. But again, the problems get to be solved when you play some of the easier games. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully that happens, John. But there's a possibility it, it, it couldn't. So hopefully it does. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. But uh, hey, tell your smart speaker to play 710 ESPN Seattle. Remember, you can always listen to 710 on your smart speaker or the app. Coming up next, talk to Michael Bumpus, John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Power through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Looking forward to talking to Michael Bumpus here. And, of course, uh, just want to see, is he on the line right now? Michael course uh where yeah of course yeah that's the thing is like uh there's uh, such a panic i mean I, again i still go to the off season and uh you know they weren't able to get jadevi and clowny back but it just seemed it was that theme if they can't get clowny back season's over it's done well clowny didn't come back and they're three and oh we know the defense is struggling there's no question about it but again the defense around the national football league everybody's struggling I mean, there's very few teams right now i mean unless you've got an easy start to the schedule which Okay, and so joining us right now is Michael Bumpus. Hey, Michael, I wanted to see if you follow the theme that I'm, I've been going on right now because uh, obviously, as you know, being a league guy covering the entire league, uh, you know, I, I look at, I try to study everything, right? And at this moment, uh, we're seeing some of the highest numbers on off on offense that we've seen since the 1961 AFL. We got points, yards, passing, and if you're in the NFC where you have 13 experienced quarterbacks who aren't, you know, necessarily just the the youngest guys or all that stuff, and they're all putting up good numbers. The average point score uh, for NFC offenses right now are 27.3 because you know you've got 11 Pro Bowl uh, quarterbacks, uh, you've got uh, you know defenses that are way behind i mean you know what's going on in seattle is going on in the entire conference and through most of the national football league michael hey john sorry you're cutting off there yeah man it's uh it's amazing what's going on john and and honestly i wouldn't expect this during this time i would expect the defense to be ahead you know because um typically that's how it is in camp but I listened to Dave Wyman and, and Bob Shelton the other day, and Dave made a good point. You know, maybe it's just the tackling. You know, you haven't had live tackling. And I would like to see what the numbers are when it comes to missed tackles. Right? Is that number up this year? Um, and then you factor in a lot of this, these other things. You got quarterbacks playing at a high level. Um, you have receivers playing at a high level. And lack of preparation, lack of tackling, and then having quarterbacks and receivers playing at such a high level definitely contributes to all that. 
Yeah, and that's the thing that, uh, and again, I just hope everybody just starts studying and watching these games to see what's going on because it's the same thing just about everywhere because it's it's one where, you know, so many things have changed because of the pandemic, because of the way this offseason has gone, and the way that they're even calling the games of, uh, by the officials, okay? You know, they're calling so much, I think, what is it, like about 31% fewer holding penalties. So that gives, you know, if you if you, you think you can get some holding away uh, and not be put in bad down and distance situations and get a few extra ticks on the clock for your quarterback, he's going to complete passes, particularly when they're behind. Then you have, uh, you know, less penalties called, period. And so because they're only calling about 12 penalties a game on the average, and I know I've been charting this forever, is that uh, I'll take an officiating crew, I'll look to see how they are as far as their numbers, as far as, uh, you know, what they are as far as, uh, you know, penalties and the ones that call the fewest holding penalties and the one that calls the fewest penalties end up having higher scoring games. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's for every, for every action, there's a reaction and it's looking like the reaction is just that offenses are wide open and it reminds me of the nba john remember what six years ago when golden state really started their run and everyone started shooting threes when i was in high school you have to have a green light to shoot a three you know so now the offenses are wide open you know you see more spread out there and then you you um you factor in all the things you just said about the referees not calling penalties and also um just how the game protects the offensive side of the ball it's hard for these safeties and these linebackers just to come up and smack a dude. You look at Diggs, that was a football play. Nothing was malicious about it. He was trying to make a play on the ball. But because guys see a dude like Diggs get thrown out of a game for just trying to make a football play, they're going to be reluctant to, to come up and try to hit these guys. So there's a lot of things going on right now. You throw in the pandemic. Um, you throw in the way the game is changing. I think this is a trend that's going to continue. Yeah, I do too. And that's the thing. It's like, uh, well, if they can't clean this up, the season's going to be a trashed. Well, guess what? Uh, you know, I still go on that theme that so many people had, uh, you know, not, they, they didn't say it that way, but if you can't get Clowney back, season's over. Their defense is going to be any good. All right. Well, they didn't get Clowney back. And right now their defense isn't very good, but you can see some signs that things are getting better. They are getting more pressures than they did uh, last year. That's a start and it's getting better and better each week. Certainly the coverage right now is, but of course, you know, the complaints were last year, rightfully so, because we all complained about it is that, uh, you know, they didn't have leads. You know, they didn't get that first half lead. Well, now in three games, they've had double-digit leads in the second half, and it's a matter of just holding on in a league right now where every defense is just trying to hold on. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. Just hold on. And, you know, people said that, okay, if you don't get Clowney, this defense is going to be ridiculous. You look at Clowney's numbers, they're not great where that. You know, he's probably still doing the things to affect an offense like he did out here. But um, he, he's not doing much as far as the stat sheet. So we can, we can throw that argument away. And then you look at the rest of the league. Yes, the Seattle Seahawks are leading the charge when it comes to giving up a lot of passes. But they've also been lighting up the scoreboard. And teams have been forced to throw the ball 40 to 50 times to try to catch up. And then you factor in, okay, guys are going to throw the ball 40 to 50 times to try to catch up. And by the way, you better not breathe too hard on a receiver or you're going to get a flag. You know, I'm not making excuses for what's been happening around the league and especially with the Seattle Seahawks, but those are all facts. 
Like we can't ignore that stuff. No, and it's like you talk about the clowny or bus situation. Okay, uh, he he went to a Tennessee team and has a defensive head coach <clears throat> that uh, had a pretty good defense last year. Guess where the Tennessee Titans are as far as yards allowed? Thirtieth. 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 They're giving up four hundred and twenty-two yards a game. And as far as what they're doing, you know, they've given up 24.7, but they've also had games you know, against some not very good teams that put up numbers on them. Like Jacksonville, they gave up 30 points to Jacksonville. <laughs> so it's like, I, I just hope that everybody recognizes what's really going on league-wide, because it's not just a Seattle thing. I mean, uh, there's, there's this growing sentiment right now, well, they've got to get rid of some of these uh, defensive backs. They might have to replace the defensive coordinator. It's like, if you're doing that, there's nobody left in the league because it's a, it's a league-wide thing. It's just the way it is. Yeah, it's just the way it is. It's a league-wide thing. Everyone is dealing with it. And honestly, especially with this short and off-season, okay, go ahead and get rid of some guys. Who are you going to pick up? Uh-huh. You're going to rely on, on guys who haven't been proven. And there are some guys out there who haven't been proven who I'm sure can join a ball club and make an impression. But at this point, you got to go with what you know. You got to go on what you trust and what you believe in. And at this point, you just have to ride it out and hope that your offense is going to be able to really carry your team. And there's no reason to believe that this offense can't do that right now. I mean, Russell Wilson's playing at a high level. DK is a rising superstar. Um, it is what it is. Just go with it. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the point about the NBA and the three points and the uh, three-point shooting and all that stuff and how that game has changed. Well, go back uh, the last couple of years in baseball because, you know, baseball is pretty much, you know, you get a walk, you get a strikeout, you get a home run. You know, that's the way that game went and it started a couple of years ago. And, of course, that uh, that was a game changer because now you have pitchers coming in relief pitchers earlier throwing 95 96 miles an hour and they either get the strikeout the walk or the home run you know that's the change and of course you just have to adjust and this is a changed game right now now how long it stays this way well no you have to go week by week but in a lot of ways you know this is three weeks into the season coming up on four i mean this would be your normal preseason yeah Exactly. Change. It, it just happens. And you, we mentioned basketball. We mentioned football. I mean, it even happens in golf. You got guys driving the ball 360 yards now, John. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? 20 years ago, there were a couple of guys doing that. So it's just the evolution of sports and just strategy and technique. And why fight it? If this is what the game looks like, then embrace it and just get ready to go. It's not like the Hawks have played games in the past years where they just blew people out we're, we're conditioned for this right we're oh yeah we're, we're ready for for close games so um and i can, i enjoy it. you know i'm an offensive guy john so i enjoy seeing um the scoreboard light up i understand what it does to a defense and the, the stress and the circumstances that it puts them in but the hawks have shown that they're probably the most equipped to handle games like that. Yeah, because I know today Russell Wilson just got, uh, well, yesterday he got the second uh, NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Then he got Offensive uh, Player of the Month, which, of course, is deserved because you know he's putting up some of the best numbers we've seen in NFL history. Yeah, he is, man. It's ridiculous what he's doing. Um, when you have a guy who is in such control of his emotions this, and the scheme and his team, I mean, it's the perfect time for Russell to go. His ninth year in the league, he's got a a leader on defense that's going to hold him down and an offensive coordinator who seems like he really trusts him. I I think that's the main reason why he's up in the booth, because he feels like, okay, I don't need to sit there and look at the surface, Microsoft surface with Russell Wilson and really break it all down. When you start coaching a guy and he's answering your questions, 
before you even ask them. That's what it's all about. And I think that's where they are right now. And that's why we're seeing them perform at a high level. Yeah, no doubt. Well, high level for you, Michael Bumpus, on your comments. And so I thank you for joining us. All right, John. Nice talking to you, man. All right. Hey, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes on 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we'll get you updated on the National Football League. Behind the lines, John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. Well, a definitive word coming from the National Football League that uh, there will not be a Tennessee-Pittsburgh football game this week, and understandable because, once again, uh, they have another positive test of a player, and then they have another positive test on the staff. And so if you keep on you know, having a little bit more spread each day until you get the spread to be stopped, then uh, you can basically do it i I just and i kind of wondered dj why is tennessee having so much problems right now uh we we know that uh you know their first round pick he hasn't done anything so far because you know he's had two positive tests uh and had to go on the covets list twice and you know one time of course he was seen at a uh party uh, at one of the colleges and he wasn't wearing a mask or anything like that and so uh, you have to figure he's not doing well but something something's kind of creeped in on the titans that haven't creeped in on the other teams to me i don't want to make assumptions here john but maybe they the players were just weren't taking it that seriously uh danny galan talked about this earlier this morning i thought it was a really good point that the seahawks it's organizations like the seahawks and the patriots are really well equipped and well focused to handle something like this you even hear it in a lot of the press conferences even yesterday with Pete carroll saying that they use this titan situation to really reiterate how important it is to keep following protocols how important it is to just not, you know, just not go out and <laughs> like not go out to these public, you know, gatherings or anything like that. And so I, I don't want to say that I don't think Titans are a bad organization or anything no, no, like no. that. But I, but I just think that a, a team like the Seahawks, a team like the Patriots, like the Packers, those organizations, they just have, they, they're well equipped to handle something like this. And I just wonder, John, um, just on another note here, how are they going to make this game up? The Titans have a bye week in week seven, right? Mm-hmm. And the Steelers, are the, is there a bye week week eight? Week eight, So yeah. I guess they would play the game in week eight or week, no. week eight? No. I, no, I think what they do is that uh, they go and they take the uh, Baltimore game and move, I believe, that to week eight because I think Baltimore also mm-hmm. has a week eight bye. And so they play Baltimore-Pittsburgh week eight, and then week seven would be Tennessee going to Pittsburgh. I mean, you know, okay. in Nashville, the game will be in Nashville, but it's like, I think that's the one switch they can make and it buys, you know, enough time for, you know, everybody on the Titans to be able to get through this. Okay. That makes sense. But yeah, I just think that, I, I just think maybe just the players didn't really, uh, take it seriously. Now, again, like, you know, sometimes even whoever, whichever the players are that actually have it, maybe they didn't even go out. Maybe they got it from somebody else or from someone who's asymptomatic. I don't. I don't really know enough about COVID where I'm going to start talking about yeah. stuff like that, but um, it, it's just um, I'm just glad that it's they seem to have it contained, hopefully, and that hopefully no one gets too sick or anything like that. But um, I, I'm I'm just intrigued to see how the NFL is going to handle this because this is their first real test. We made it three weeks, well, well more than that with training camp, but just game wise, we made it, and now we're in week four, and I'm intrigued to see how they'll uh, handle something like this. Because it already seems like I think they just have way more protocols in place than baseball did. I didn't. I never felt like baseball was prepared for it. I still don't feel like they're prepared for mm-hmm. it that much, even though we're in the playoffs now. So 
I th- I think the NFL will handle this well, but I'm interested to see how they'll do so. Yeah, no doubt. I think that uh, you know they they will do a good job of this and try to get us all fixed. But uh, you know, but I would have to think if you're Tennessee, you've got to strongly review everything that's going on because now you didn't have a game. You put yourself in a position if you did have a game, you're going to play Pittsburgh. And your, your chance of you you might have lost your chance to get a wild card or a division by ha- what happened. And so you know, I, I'd pull what uh, a Sean Payton has tried to do. I mean, it's like okay, guys. You guys somehow screwed up or we screwed up, whatever it is. Everybody goes to the hotel and you just clamp everything down. And, uh, you know, all the protocols in the hotel is that uh, you have tracers in there so you can't get outside. You have separation. The tracer is going to say if you're within six feet of somebody. I mean, I think maybe that's what needs to be done is that now they put themselves in a position where they got to strongly consider a bubble for whatever period of time. For all teams, or just like the Titans need to? The Titans? Yeah. 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 And I think that's something the Seahawks did so well. It helps, of course, with training camp. Even in normal times, they're already kind of in bubbles for training camps. You know, they're in hotels and everything like that. Uh, But yeah, the Titans might need to do some sort of bubble bubble environment. But I I think right now, John, even though it's just the Titans, um, you know, have had, of course, what is it about 15 people total test positive right now? Mm-hmm. But I think what's a good thing to see is that really no other team has really been impacted by it so far. Um, me being pessimistic a little bit about the um, NFL season starting just because of with how baseball went without a bubble, didn't wasn't really confident in how well the NFL would do. No other teams, especially the Vikings, that's the one we were most worried about was the Vikings who had just played the Titans. Yeah, yeah. We were very worried about the Vikings. Well, they didn't they didn't have any positive tests as of today, so they get to so right now they're reopening their facilities to practice and it seems like their game uh this sunday who i think they're playing the um texans mm-hmm. uh it seems like a full go so far so that that's good news i i'm very ha- i'm very of course i feel horrible for the players that have tested positive of course yeah, so no far doubt. or or the personnel and the staff members and everything uh but the nfl i'm i'm happy with how the nfl's handled this so far and right now they're handling this situation pretty well and right now like if this is already going better in baseball. If this is the only mini breakout we get, this is already better than baseball. And NFL has handled this well. Yeah, no, I agree. And it would, but that's the thing. It's like you've got to handle it and you've got to make adjustments and you have to uh, make sure if some, something goes wrong. Because now, like for example, if you go to the players and say, listen, uh, we're going to, you have to be isolated. We're going to keep you in the hotel for uh, however long we want to do it, one week, two weeks, three weeks, because this could be their season. I mean, you know, let's say, for example, they played the game on Monday night, and because of the lack of preparation, because they are going against Ben Roethlisberger, right? And they're going against a very top defense that blitzes like crazy, and they're going to go with no practice. They end up losing that game, and all of a sudden now you, you, you have the Indianapolis Colts, you know, maybe getting a tiebreaker to win the division, and then you lose if the Pittsburgh can't top Baltimore, you may lose a tiebreaker because remember these teams are both three and zero. Right, yeah, uh, yeah. It was definitely going to be a big a- uh, AFC matchup for sure between the Titans and the Steelers. Definitely was going to have some sort of playoff implications come uh, January, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, I think it was something that we could have expected to happen because I think we were talking about this yesterday or maybe it was Tuesday when the news first came out about the Titans staff members or players testing positive was that this was unfortunately this was going to happen at some point. It's just it was impossible. It was going to be impossible to make a 17 weeks plus the playoffs plus the Super Bowl for nothing to happen. And so I think that's. 
it was just a ma- it was just only a matter of time because there was going to be a slip up somewhere. It's unfortunate to think about, but yeah, it was going to happen. So something like this, especially with um, if we want to get into like you know the whole like playoff implications of matchups and everything, it was going to happen. And it's again, it's going to be interesting to see how the NFL handles not just like protocols or anything, but yes, how they're going to make up these games because baseball didn't have a plan, but the NFL, I think they do have a plan. They had more time to come up with a plan, so. Again, I'm interested to see how the NFL will handle the new protocols or anything, if they make any adjustments there, or how they'll even, or how they'll have a plan, not just to make up this game, but if something else like this happens again, how they'll try to uh, make up future games uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, because again, what they can do is, uh, you know, have a week 18 if necessary. Because once everybody has their bye weeks, and if they run out of bye weeks, I mean, you just say, okay, we start the playoffs one week late if we need to. Now, if these are meaningless games. Let's say, for example, it's a game like tonight where you have Denver going against the Jets. It's like, okay, forget it. We don't need it because neither of those teams are going to make the playoffs. But for a game like this with major implications and what's happening in the AFC, you, you've got to say, okay, we've got to make an exception if we run out of the bye weeks to try to make a Week 18. Uh, I will say this uh, to close out, John, that – with teams like the Titans, uh, with like like the Titans, they're not allowing fans at the state at their well, games. They were, they right? were going to allow fans. They were week. they were going to. Now yeah. they're probably not going to. But where I um, where I gain confidence is okay. This could be pretty easy to contain because they won't have fans. Right. Right. But I I fear for a team like the Jaguars or the Dolphins who are allowing fans. Where um, you know, as um, Paul was bringing up this morning, restrictions in Florida. Mm. Pretty much non-existent. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so if t- if there's an outbreak with teams like the Jaguars or the Dolphins, then I get a little more worried about how they can, how they'll be able to play for I don't know a one week or, or for the next week or the two weeks after, just because like you know they allow fans there, so there's there's a lot more risk there. But for a team like the Titans, or if we even want to say like the Seahawks or the Packers who aren't allowing fans, if there's a like a little many breakout, I think it'll be a little easier to contain just because there aren't any fans, and I won't be as worried. No, that's true. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Larry Sona of the Seattle Times. Talk about you know the baseball playoffs. We'll talk about the Seahawks and everything else. It's the John Clayton Show, seven ten ESPN Seattle.